I'm Logan, and this is another exciting solo episode of Automatic for the People. It's automatic, it's automatic, it's automatic. Hey everybody, welcome back to Automatic for the People, a Mr. Robot podcast. We are on the tail end of our Mr. Robot Season 3 rewatch. Um, I've gone gone at it solo the last uh, half of Season 3. Uh, Ryan's taking a break in case for whatever reason you're just tuning in. Um, so we're keeping it short and sweet. Um, I'm, I'll talk about it for a few minutes. Uh, probably ramble and then go, hey, here's the original... Uh, breakdown of the episode we did forever and a day ago so yeah we're talking about uh, season three episode nine stage three this uh mysterious stage three that you know as you find out uh doesn't really exist it's this thing that elliot slash mr robot have come up with to tease the dark army and kind of further infiltrate them. Meanwhile, Darlene is, uh, trying to infiltrate more or less the FBI. Uh, we, they are characters. We already knew the FBI was compromised. Elliot finds out, uh, Darlene, uh, well, he tells Darlene, uh, we get Price talking to Elliot slash Mr. Robot and, uh, Tyrell, um, with Tyrell and Elliot both finally putting the pieces together that they have been, both been puppets, um, you know, Tyrell doing the Donald Trump puppet, puppet, you're a puppet, uh, which, which is pretty great, it's a, it's a nice little nod to the, uh, horrible real world that we live in, um, and there's also a song playing, uh, in the bar when Darlene goes it's uh to meet uh, Dom that's a Joey badass song so that that adds like this whole other layer to that um uh yeah it's it's pretty cool um but yeah i uh i like this episode there's not a ton here it's a lot of table work um but it's it's still pretty interesting to see like the callbacks uh angelo wondering becoming like an almost full-fledged bag lady on the street uh with a shopping cart running into the dude selling cds and kind of having these flashbacks to her own life and you know it's just uh it's just it's a this table setting goes with mr robot uh it's always so much fun um but yeah, it, it's, I don't know, I, I I don't have a ton to say about the episode just because of that. Um, I, I feel so bad for Dom in this episode. Um, she's kind of the one character at this point that we still don't have any true negativity towards, I guess. Um, she's kind of just there doing her job, uh, trying to do the right thing, um, as she sees fit and she's just getting manipulated on all sides. Um, and it sucks. 
we get to see the uh, probably final appearance appearance of Gideon Goddard poor freaking Gideon man um, with the flashback at the beginning and uh, kind of just I don't know there's this whole thing of like White Rose feels like such an orchestrator the emperor of it all but so much of this plan seems to have relied on sheer dumb luck of these people meeting is it that orchestrated like I, I don't know it, it's something interesting to think about I uh, was telling a, a friend of mine today that like I've talked about like anxiety and stuff like that that I have before um, and one of the things that I as overwhelming as it can be to think this way one of the things I think about is alright so everything that's ever happened in the universe happened to get you right here because if anything ever changed you wouldn't be at this moment or at least there's a better than good chance you wouldn't be at this moment so just go from here <laughs> and it'll be okay um so it's this whole like uh destiny versus um or like predetermination versus uh just like sheer dumb luck of it all or tragedy or whatever you want to call it uh that this episode really kind of brought home i don't know if that's something we discussed originally but you'll hear that in just a minute uh i'll kick it over to our original discussion I'll be back uh, with the finale, uh, and then Jess and I are going to discuss uh, Legion for its final season, um, and then we're also, uh, Elizabeth is going to join me for discussing the final season of Preacher when it starts up in a few short weeks, month and a half, two months, something like that, so anyway, go do all that, and I'll see you guys soon. I'm Logan. And I'm Ryan. And this is Automatic for the People. It's automatic, it's automatic, it's automatic. Hey everybody, welcome back to Automatic for the People, a Mr. Robot podcast. And we are here to spoil the heck out of the uh, penultimate episode of Mr. Robot Season 3, Stage 3, Dot Torrent. How most people probably watch the show. That's not how I watch it. Me either. I actually have been watching it on the USA app, which is not bad. I mean, it's not great, but it's not bad. Uh, have you used it? Uh, like twice. Do you keep muting your mic? Uh, yeah, I muted because uh, I ate a. Oh, okay. Like a little. Because, like, a there's little... a background noise and it keeps dropping in and out. <laughs> it's probably my heater sitting right under me. <laughs> but I ate one of those little. I don't know what you call them. It's like almonds and sunflower seeds, and they're all stuck together with honey. And I ate one of those, so now there's, like, sunflower seeds all, like, in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I was just wondering. I was like, well, the noise keeps dropping in and out. So, um, so where <laughs> Ryan's probably got the heater on because in uh, our hometown, while usually the cold months are what like late January, February, and March, like it's usually chilly in December, but it's it's like. Uh, 40 degrees, 30 degrees there right now. Yeah, and that's at nighttime. Well, like regular at nighttime, it might get down to like 50s and 40s. And during the day, you you know, you just got like it's usually sometimes like, 80s, yeah. mostly 70s. And it's been like that for a while. And then this winter, is just December, it's just Well, cold. this cold front came in. Anybody that's weather obsessed knows like... It snowed in places that it hasn't snowed in in ages, at least in December, you know. Like, there are parts of Alabama getting snow that they, they probably haven't seen snow in 20 years. So, there was parts of Alabama below us yeah. that were getting snow. So, yeah, it's, it was a really, really weird weather front that uh, I, I work in... Uh, uh, Georgia, but I live in Tennessee, and literally it's like a 15-minute drive. Where I work, it snowed like four inches, three inches, something like that. It was a lot of snow on uh, Friday, and then I drove home, and there was nothing at my house. I mean, it was 15 minutes away. That's funny. No snow whatsoever. <clears throat> Not even like a little bit. So, like it was, it was, it was strange. So anyway, welcome to Weather Talk with Logan and Ryan. So yeah, it, it, we. I said we're going to spoil it. So you should have said, "Get off my lawn." <laughs> if you haven't tuned out by now, then you deserve to get spoiled. So, What's the weather like? <laughs> wasn't it a bummer when Elliot died in the episode? <laughs> yeah, it sucked. <laughs> um, then Angela pressed rewind, and he came right back. Oh, <laughs> uh, we do start out the episode. Well, I haven't done this in a while, really. I guess. What did you think about the episode as a whole? Um. <sighs> It was very good because it had me, I knew what was going on, but at the same time I was like, I'm not, but it was two, it was one whole story played out, but two sections of it played out at the same time and they kind of met it in the middle at the end. Which is another way, like, I feel like this whole episode is this weird time travel thing but not really time travel you know what I mean yeah so and there's this I read this theory online that, that talks about uh, you know we had White Rose early on in like season one talking about was it season I think season one season I don't remember hell it might have been in this season hacking time and uh, a lot of people, myself included, think that that means changing the past. 
you know, time travel or something to that effect. And I read this theory that what if the idea of hacking time isn't isn't time travel, but it's changing people's perceptions of the way things happened and why things happened. Oh, that's a good theory. Because, like, we know that the Dark Army is responsible, but as this plays out, the narrative has changed. And so, like, it's not just the Dark Army, like, these it's Trenton and Mobley were major players and they were also connected to terrorist organizations beyond just, you know, the dark army, a hacker organization. Um, this, all this, this weird stuff that if you think about it happens constantly in reality. And I, I guess we just don't think about it. Or we choose not to think about it. Because our, our perceptions are constantly like warped by what we see and hear, you know. And whose fault it really is is not always who we wind up blaming for it, you know. Yeah, that's a pretty good thing. I like that. Um the you know, the concept of it's basically just like you take Angela and basically it's convincing her that it wasn't Evil Corp that was responsible and that's not exactly the way everything happened. Yeah. Um it, I mean she's kind of a bad example right now, but <laughs> she's so broken. I know, I wanna talk about that later. So we open with a flashback. And, I mean, kudos to these guys for... <laughs> Freshen that up for me. Uh, for being willing to come back. I mean, we haven't seen Terry Colby in a while. You know, and this is this is not a previously on and we see material we've already seen before. This is an entirely new scene. You know, my... Uh, I, it's new to us. For all we know, it could be leftover footage. <laughs> I don't think it is, though. But, I, I mean, how great is Bruce Altman, who plays Terry Colby, at being that guy? I mean, it, it's not like, oh, man, I've missed him. But it is kind of like, I'm, I've missed having a guy who is so clearly, like... I can root against him because at this point I feel like all of the, the quote unquote bad guys, while they are bad guys, I have a hard time like actively rooting against them. You know, white Rose is pretty compelling. Um, Tyrell is, he, this is who he reminds me of. He reminds me of like your basic eighties. Um, yeah, he watched wall street. Like, on a loop and not, decided not even I'm going to be that I don't guy. Even think about Wall Street. I think more of like, um, what was the Michael J. Fox movie? Uh, uh, Secret to My Success. Oh yeah. Um, you know those lower end where you know my rich uncle and he, that's the rich uncle. You know he's just like he's not quite 
the Wall Street guy, but he's got just enough money or he's got just enough power to throw it around. <laughs> I love the statement he made, but I'm not going to repeat it. It was just, we're not just going to sit here with our... <laughs> Flapping. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it was pretty great. Um, but, but like, going back to the, the bad guy thing, like, Tyrell's a bad guy, but he's so sympathetic at this point, you know, that it, it's just, it's hard in this show that we, to have anybody to really, really root against, because everybody we're given, you know, access to, we see so much of their, I guess their personal stuff, or they're either so compelling that's like, well, I mean, I kind of hope they don't succeed. Like, even Price, who is about as Lex Luthor as they come, but in that same sense, like, you never really root against Lex Luthor. I mean, you root for Superman, but you kind of still just want to see what Lex Luthor's going to do. When Price has got that ultimate bad over him, too, which is... <sighs> like you said, White Rose, who is also very compelling. And it's, um, you know, the, the, I think the one we had to root against is the one they've done the best job with, and that is Tyrell, because they brought him in and they showed us this guy. And you're like, this guy's terrible. I mean, one of the first like, things you see him do is, like, find a homeless guy on the street beat the crap to beat the crap out of. And you just think, like, man, he's a terrible person. And through slowly but surely through different things, they've revealed that he's not really a terrible person. He might have his vices here and there and or he's whatever. he's extremely but, misguided and... Um, but Actually, at this I point, think they, that that might be the best character work on this whole show. Is Terrell? <laughs> yeah, uh, it, and seeing like season one, quote unquote, Tyrell is, and, and there's so much like tongue in cheek stuff going on when uh, he tells um, Price, you know, I hope this kind of doesn't come back to bite us in the ass, <laughs> you know. Um, but really, that the and also Gideon. How great is it? it? I think you pronounce it Michael Gill. It's M I C H E L E, but I don't know. Um, I don't know. I just I miss him, man. Like I, I really miss. Yeah, that he was character. a good part of season one. So, so yeah, we see uh, we see Angela come in to give uh, Gideon some papers and I mean you might as well like cue the slow-mo 80's cheesy kind of synth jazz music and Price immediately is infatuated with her. Yeah staring her down. So here's the question I have is this whole show like a Helen of Troy situation? Like is she... She's the cause of all of this? Like, inadvertently. Um, I wouldn't go that far, but it could be, a you know, one of, partly. I, but I, I don't, I don't think that, 
because it there's so many things that have to happen other than him wanting to get his hands on so, Angela. So you think this goes back further, like the reason they go to Allsafe is because White Rose is setting up all these pieces in place. And you know that that just it's that's just some more wood on the fire. I mean I don't I don't think it's like the beginning or the end, but So you don't think we saw the beginning? Like you think it goes back further than that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I kind of hope so, but I I'm also a little intrigued by the idea of this being the the start of it. Like this one situation that Price gets himself into. Like he decides to go with this company rather than create his own in-house security system like Tyrell says he goes with this company and because and he goes just with this so company happens that Elliot works for that company no I don't think that's no well I think the reason Elliot goes to work for Allsafe is so he can get to Ecorp right so this would be before Elliot works at Allsafe I could be wrong but the way I, I have it playing out in my mind is they Allsafe gets this account, so they need more staff to handle this account. So Elliot is then like once and like Angela's like, oh, you should come, come to work for us. Like we have openings, you know. As Elliot's kind of trying to put his life back together after whatever happened, um, and so he once he finds out that. It's E Corp. He decides that okay, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to find a way to destroy these guys, and then that sets the, like that's the the little pebble in the snow that creates this massive like avalanche of you know the end of the world. Oh uh, yeah, I mean you could be right. It's just that state. The statement <laughs> that sticks for me is, um, and it's all the way at the end. So I don't want to jump there. I mean, um, you can. Um, White Rose's partner says that you said that Elliot Alderson would... Uh, what is the statement he made? Basically Some, outlive his usefulness. He, well, would, he would die for our cause. Uh, the same thing his dad did is what came out on the other end of that. Um, he, he would basically do for us the same thing his dad did. So it's time for him to die for us. So I just, I just feel like that they, I don't know, somehow they got him either. Well, actually that, that right there does kind of disprove everything because it does really go back to Elliot's dad dying is the, the start of all of this. Um, and w whatever work he was doing, we still don't really know. No, but we'll find out, I'm sure. Yeah. So, um, so, okay, from there we jump to the present, or quote-unquote present day. It's still our past, but they're present. Um, Tyrell, 
being dropped off at his house. Another emotional breakdown that he, I mean, he just, dude nails it. Uh, he should be getting a best supporting nod next year, in my opinion. Over, I would say over Christian Slater, for sure. Yeah, because Christian Slater's really taken a background to a lot of, which and, it actually works really well. The, I, so. I was about to say, which is not a knock on Christian Slater. It's fine. It works fantastic in the show. But, I mean, two, two characters have really, really come to the forefront this season as far as like me being interested in what they're going to do with them. And that's Tyrell and Angela. Um, Tyrell, not so much as what they're going to do with him, but how this guy is going to react to the the situation he's put himself in and all it has now cost him. And Angela just... I, I, I mean... I, I so badly don't want her to have lost her mind. You know? Well, that's why I... Yeah, I want to get to that like a little bit later I, I had some thoughts and stuff on that of course I'll probably forget them by then but so here's where the 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 timelines skew off from each other in the words <laughs> of Doc Brown um so <laughs> there's a there's a line in the in the episode that Elliot says to them oh um you don't want to have to deal with your bosses when they find out that you messed up their time, their timeline. Yeah. But that's not what he says. But all F'd I can think their was, timeline. J- just ask Doc Brown what happens when you F with the timeline. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many veiled references to timelines in this episode. And the dual meaning of all of that. And... It's it's there. Like if you rewatch it, it's it's kind of maddening. And I I loved it. Though. I loved me it more too. the second time than I did the first time. So so yeah, I know exactly what happens when because the first time I saw it, I you know I don't know the end game by the end of you know I thought you know through some of this stuff I'm like how are they existing at the same time in two different places. Yeah. You know, and I knew it had to be something like one's in the past and one's in the future or something like that. Um, But that moment he has at the mirror. Where he's waking up at the beginning or the end? It reminded me at the beginning, at the start of it. Yeah. As soon as it happened, I was like, that's like what Bruce Willis does whenever he jumps in 12 Monkeys. Like, it's just like and he just like jumps into somebody else's body. Um, it also reminded me of a little bit there. There's a, did you ever see Shutter Island? No. A lot of people don't like it. I loved it. It was like my favorite movie that year. Almost. It, It was in my top two or three. Um, I won't get into any specific spoilers, but it... it Only I'm, by now, if you haven't seen it, it's your fault. So. Well, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff in the movie that can be spoiled, and it's great. Um, but... I mean, it, that's the one where he's, like, basically trapped in his own mind or something? Kind of, sort of? Not exactly. 
he's not who he thinks he is. Or am I thinking of Inception? I haven't seen that one either. Inception is the one where they go into people's minds. But it's all in his mind. Okay, let's stop, stop talking. It might all be in his mind. Um, no, uh, Shutter Island, he plays uh, a cop who is brought to this island where they, they have an uh, asylum to investigate a missing person. And... I mean, kind of the least interesting spoiler of the whole movie is that... He's in the asylum. He's in the... He's a patient there. And this is their way of trying to help him cope with... Yeah, maybe I was just combining the two movies together. Their their therapy to try to help him cope with what he's actually done and why he's there is to have him act out this missing person fantasy. So that he can come to terms with what he did. And, but there's a scene at the very beginning of the movie where he's on the boat, like riding, like riding, uh, going into the island. And he walks into the, there's a bathroom on the boat and it splashes some water on his face and looks in the mirror. And everything shifts, like just a little bit. It's almost imperceptible. But I've seen the movie like the, by the like I think the second time I watched it I was like what was that and I would rewind I was like there's something there like that there's a reason that that happens it's to show you that that's the the change you know of him like flipping that switch and shutting off his past right you know. And I, I feel like that's definitely there in that scene in the mirror. Well, I mean, it, it's very visually there. But I, I, I'm with you. I love the way it plays out. And I love the way that the beginning and the end, or that scene and the scene at the end, mirror each other. You know? And that happens throughout the episode. Like, because we see Elliot at his computer... And he's like, why? I left my computer open. Oh, God, what happened? What was Mr. Robot looking at? And then we see Mr. Robot looking at the same thing. And it, and it just keeps doing that. Not to a great degree, but it definitely does. Um, but yeah, the, the way they play with time in the episode is just... It's brilliant, man. Um... What is it he wrote on... Oh, they own the FBI. Yeah. That's what he writes on the mirror. Which we know what that means. Um, It doesn't take Elliot long to figure out what that means. So... Which, good for him, because when he was like, who's they? I was like, oh my god, please do not tell me this is going to be some long, drawn-out thing for him to discover, oh, the Dark Army owns the FBI. No, he just almost immediately draws that conclusion. So, um, so yeah, then we get, like I said, Mr. Robot at the computer, visits Tyrell, um, (laughs) incites a fight, which is pretty funny. It looked like he knocked a tooth out. Did he knock one of his teeth out? I, I mean, he hit him pretty hard. 
I can't tell if it was a flash of the blue glove or if it was a tooth flying out of his mouth. I, I think it was just the, the blue glove, which is, a, again, a mirrored thing from season one. Well, he doesn't want to get his hands dirty. Right. No, it's the old... And Angela even says it later in the episode when she points at the newspaper. You know, it says uh, uh, Tyrell named CTO or whatever. And she's like, see, everything's going back to the way that it was. And that that's more of like the past invading the present. Him putting on that glove and being that person again. You know, despite all he's lost. Um... But yeah, I, I I love that whole scene. And then Price shows up. Because, of course he does. I love how unsurprised he is to see Elliot there. <laughs> but how totally surprised Mr. Robot is to see him. Yeah. Um, and then he kind of starts telling them a story. What, all of this plays out in, like, three different timelines. So we have... The Mr. Robot timeline, we have the Elliot timeline, then we have the Angela timeline. And they all, oh sorry, four, then the Darlene timeline. And they all intersect each other at some point. Because Elliot shows Darlene the stuff on the computer and how, um, you know, they need to hack into the, the FBI to get those files off Romero's computer, Darlene says she has an angle. So Elliot sets the stage for the meeting with White Rose. Darlene works her angle, and then eventually, I, I mean, I'm jumping all over the place here, but, um, and then eventually Elliot goes back to his apartment, and Angela's there, and he tries to get an explanation from her, but... When they go up to his apartment, uh, Leon, Joey Badass, is there, <laughs> who is just phenomenal. I've just been sitting here smoking these trees. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I was, for whatever reason, I was thrown off by him the first time I watched it. But then I was like, oh, I don't know why. Because Elliot goes, or we see Irving for like five seconds. Test driving that car with that lady, and Elliot shuts the car down the same way that Irving did before. Again, another thing that's mirroring something that we've already seen. And Elliot gets in and then asks for a meeting with White Rose about stage three, which is what you were talking about earlier. And I love. Him, like, handing the tape to Irving. He's like, you know what to do. I'm like, are they about to tape this lady up? <laughs> like, what's the... And I, it honestly never even occurred to me that, like, all these cameras that people now have in their cars are just like cameras on your laptop. They're totally hackable. Yep. And it's not that they're easily hackable. See, I mean, if you don't if you don't know how crazy is that? Oh, anyway, um, so Darlene, 
has maybe my favorite story in this episode. It has nothing to do with the fact that she hooks up with Dom. But, I don't know, she just cannot seem to do anything right. Like, everything she does, somehow she trips herself up. That is kind of funny. And, and it's not it's not as bad as like, oh, we broke into this lady's house and then I killed her. <laughs> but it's, you know, sleeping with an FBI agent to try to get access to her badge. And I want to know when she thought that was the good idea. I like, mean, I think at some point she just dug herself in so well, deep. Well, I mean, she, she would have been better off punching her in the back of the head when she was putting it in the safe. Yeah, I don't... Sleeping with her and then trying to open the safe to... Tr- you knew... Tell me you didn't think she was going to get caught. Oh, no, I knew she was going to get caught. Yeah, I'm like, God, so, she's definitely caught. <laughs> and... I don't, I'm not, I don't want to knock the show, but the minute Darlene showed up at the bar, I knew where this angle was going to wind up. <laughs> I did too. I was like, she's going to wind up trying to sleep with her to get her badge. So, uh, we do get a lot of, like, personal Dom stuff and how awkward she can be, how not used to kind of connecting with anybody she is, which is, it's great, but it's kind of difficult to watch. You know what I mean? Yeah, she's, Dom's replacing, uh, what's her name? It's my favorite character very quickly. Or my favorite female character. I I love it. it. It's just, I feel so bad for her. You know, <laughs> what's your name in season one? Sh- Shayla. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they wind up sleeping together. Darlene tries to steal her badge, and does not succeed, and winds up arrested, or, or at least in custody, by the FBI. The best part about that scene was nothing to do with them kissing or anything. It was, hey, like check out what my echo can do. The product placement? <laughs> yeah. Not just that. Just, like, she was proud of it. <laughs> like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> you're talking to, like, somebody who just helped bring down a corporation, and you're like, check out what my Echo can do. <laughs> <laughs> I, What's I, the weather I, like? <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I, I'm of two minds about it. It was fine, and as product placement goes, it was at least well integrated. But at the same time, this isn't the first time she's talked to her Echo, right? But it's the first time they used the Echo and said, uh, "Hey, uh, what was it? What's it called?" No, it's not Alexa. No, it's the first time they've said, "What's the Daily Five Nine? Oh yeah, no, yeah, that's. That's the first time. But it's not the first time she said Alexa. No, and that's fine, because we've seen her use it before. I think part of me just cringed at the Daily 5-9 thing, because they show those commercials while you're watching the show. Like, 
Use your Amazon Echo to get the daily five nine. Oh, well, I don't pay attention because I I never knew what that meant. So, it, it's, <laughs> what the hell is the daily five nine? It's a tie-in to Mister Robot. It kind of tells you what's going on in the world of Mister Robot. Like, you should go get yours and ask it what the daily five nine is. Oh, I gave mine away. <laughs> what? To who? Yeah. Um, to Sky. Why? He's all because he was always giving me stuff, and uh, we had it in the office. And he was like, he he thought he it was so awesome. I was like, well, you know what? It gets on my nerves at home. If you want it, you can have it. I only paid fifty bucks for it. Whatever, <laughs> man. They had them on sale at Christmas for thirty. <laughs> there were the dots though. If I got one, it would probably be the dog. At Christmas. I mean, uh, Black Friday. I, I just didn't, didn't really love the Tell Me the Daily 5-9. Because it's just such an obvious reference to the the tie-in that they're doing with the show. And Shows you how much I pay attention. <laughs> and I, I, I also, on the flip side of that, do think it's kind of Sam Esmail trolling people that buy into that because he's like I'm going to write this scene into the show so that all you fools with an Amazon Echo that are watching the show when she goes hey Alexa tell me the daily 5-9 your Amazon Echo is just going to kick on and start talking to you Uh, I think that's the whole gimmick behind the Echo (laughs) like if you're not careful if it's too close to your TV, you might wind up getting some Tide Pods from Amazon in a couple of days. That's pretty funny. <laughs> we had our that's why it got on my nerves. We had ours pretty close to the TV. And when it first came out, there was a commercial where the guy would say, Play hey, uh, Alexa, play my road trip playlist. And my Alexa would turn on and say, Playing road trip playlist. Like, what the crap, man? <laughs> Casey would fall asleep in the middle of the night in the living room. And I get woke up at 3 in the morning by Alexa blaring music because the TV just told it to. <laughs> I'm not awesome. kidding you, dude. <laughs> that's but, why I gave it away. Uh, so, yeah, I, while that scene made me cringe, like the idea of him trolling people that that bought it for that specific reason kind of makes me smile. So It's funny. I think in the new ones they might have an update where you can change the trigger word. Um, but in the original one, uh, there was no way to change it unless there's an update to it now. But when it, when it first can came out... Can you change it to anything? Well, that's what Scott wanted to do. So he could go, hey, shithead, play... <laughs> Uh, only Scott, man. Yeah. And then uh, when he found out he couldn't do it, he kind of lost interest. Was like, you ever, if you, you can't no, swear, not really. If you can't swear at it, it's not fun. That's that's stupid. So, um, all right. So oh, he um, wanted to call it all kinds of names. <laughs> you don't even want to know. <laughs> so. Uh, w- 
the timelines are are all over the place. Darlene and Dom picking up the chicks. Uh, Joey badass at the apartment because Elliot had asked for the meeting with Tyrell, which, like I said, I honestly didn't pick up on until the second time I watched the episode. Like, it just, not that I was confused by it, but I never put the two and two together. Right. For whatever reason. It seems ridiculous now. But I was like, oh, yeah, that's why he's there, because he's the middleman of the middleman. Of the middleman. Because you gotta go to uh, Irving, then to Leon, then to that other guy. And then to White Rose. I guess that's the successive order of things. Uh, um, Leon, I guess, is like the... Uh, who was the, the guy that shuttled people in the like the Greek myths? God, I can't remember. I used to know mythology pretty well. Didn't you take... Uh, no, I took Latin, but we didn't really Latin. talk about no. mythology. Uh, I feel like an idiot. Um, so anyway, uh, he Elliot thinks he's going to meet White Rose, but he doesn't. He meets White Rose's partner. And from the get-go... Like, the minute he sat down and said something about his laptop, I was like, oh, okay, this was never about meeting White Rose. Because immediately, I was like, he's playing them. He's got to be playing them. He knows what they're going to do. He knows they're going to get into his laptop. And he's going to find a way to backdoor into their system. And that's what he does. Like, as soon as they put that freaking USB drive in there. I was like, well, he's got him now. I know, I was, I was kind of, I wasn't really looking for it, but I was thinking, like, why would you want stuff off of his laptop? And, I mean, I understand they want phase three, but they obviously knew that there was no phase three to begin with. I don't know, it was kind of like one of those it felt like a Scooby-Doo trap, and they fell right into it. Like, idiots. <laughs> Are you there? Yeah, sorry, I was sneezing. Oh, uh, okay. I still have not completely gotten over my cold, I don't think. So. Um. K Karen? Or Chiron? Kieran? is the Greek ferryman of Hades who carries souls of the deceased across the river Styx. So, that that's who I was thinking of. That, that's, <laughs> okay. who, that's who Leon is. So. And carry dead people. Um, so, anyway. Uh, well, it gets appointed CTO, which Price tells him is just a figurehead position. <laughs> Immediately, it's like, it's a joke position. Yeah. Don't like, think you're in charge of anything. You're you're just this leftover crap from a deal gone bad that I'm forced to to just contend with. And, and apparently, like, 
they're shocked by the idea that Price knew almost all of what was going on. Obviously, he didn't know the that he was going to lose his control of the company, essentially. But, I mean, he was behind a lot of it. In, in a sense that he was for it. Not necessarily instrumental in it, you know. And, I don't know. I, I guess just because we knew it. Part of me was like, how do they not know this? But I guess they they just didn't, you know. I just assume because we know it, then they know it. But, of course, that's never always the case. Uh, um, where was I? I'm lost in my notes here. It's because the episode is so chaotic and... Lie. Yeah, and all over the place, like, it's hard to... Well, I do know we were at, um, Angela and Elliot getting to the apartment where, um... <laughs> well, and... no, we're past that. Yeah, well, I want to go back to that for a second. Oh, okay. Um, we were there. <laughs> um, Angela completely freaks out. Um, which she's not, like, entirely wrong but completely freaks out and it's goes not back paranoia home. if they're really after you. <laughs> right. Um, or uh, Kurt Cobain said, uh, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not after you. <laughs> well, Although he might have stole that from somebody else. But it's basically the same thing. Um, anyways, don't get me started on... Um, she goes back home and starts talking to someone. So, at first I was convinced she was talking to her mom. I was wondering. I was like, I wonder if she's talking to her mom. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, she's talking to the fish. So, that's who, you're totally convinced that's who she was talking to. Yeah, but she does pick up a picture of her and her mom. For all I know, Angela thinks QWERTY is her mom. Okay, I I just wanted to know about that. I was like, this chick has lost it. And what else I wanted to ask you is what you... We've gotten a lot of... I I would venture to say... Not maybe more flashbacks than any other season this season, but... No, definitely. Definitely? Okay. I I was like, season two, I know there was a lot, but I don't remember how many. Um, And season two was, some of it was a lot of flash sideways more than flash back. Kind of like this. This is not really a flash. I mean, it is a flashback, but it's like, it's a flashback to what happened eight hours ago. You know, it's not really a flashback. But we don't have many episodes left. And what I was wondering (laughs) is. We got one episode left. That yeah, that's right. We only got one. Well, e- even next season, do you think we'll get an episode of a flashback, kind of like at the beginning of this one, where they're in the boardroom having the meeting? But it's more of what exactly happened to Angela to make her ex- go extremely batshit crazy. 
like what broke her? Like yeah. what's the thing that broke her? You know, I hope so. You know what? Like, uh, you know what I've thought a lot about this season, and we haven't talked about it. The very first shot of the show. You had to remind me. It's all of those um, shadowed figures standing in a boardroom, like talking oh, yeah. to each other, yeah. with that voiceover of, like, you know. The one percent of the one percent. The top one percent of the top one percent. Yeah. Yeah. And how, like, that would that seemed like this theory at the time, like not not necessarily a crazy one, but just like oh that's his theory. Like, and there's a lot of truth to it as well. You know, there are quote unquote people that run the world, um, but. The idea that it's the these people you've never heard of, you know, like if somebody told you that, um, Bill Gates was responsible for who knows what, you'd be like, well, I mean, he's like a multi-billionaire, so whatever. Or at the time, if Steve Jobs was responsible for. You know, whatever. Like, oh, well, yeah, you know, of course he is. Because he's got all that money. But you know who those people are. You know, there are no... I, mean, I guess it's not in the world of Mr. Robot. Philip Price is not a nobody. But he's not... Until all this goes down, he's not a commonly known person. You know? Certainly White Rose is not known the altered alternate version of white rose i guess is known in political circles but not i would say probably not commonly known I, I, it just I, the more we go along with this season the more i've thought about that scene and how uh how it's kind of come to pass like no, it was absolutely the truth. Like, they're telling you in the very first section of the show exactly what's about to happen. The top 1% of the top 1% are about to destroy the world and remake it in their own image. And there's nothing you can do about it. Right. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. So, it's just, it's, I don't know, it's weird. Um, <laughs> again, more, uh, that's stuff maybe we can get into next week when we find out what happens. Um, so d do you think she was talking to her mom or do you think she was talking to the fish going back to Angela? I'm not convinced she was talking to either one of them. Okay. Her dad does try to call I... her on the phone and she throws the phone into a pot of water. So, I mean like, yeah, I'm. I'm just all up in the air right now. So there is um, one more first scene. First thought was her mother. Then I thought about the fish. And then I'm like, you know, when what does she say? We're ready now. I'm like, well, she's not talking about the fish. So. Wait, talking about know. when they pull up in the van? Yeah. Like Angela, the bag lady? 
Yeah. <laughs> it was like this really dramatic I version. I was going to say a joke about that, too, before, and I forgot. It was At like, the beginning of the podcast, I was going to say, man, I was driving home today, and I'm pretty sure I saw Angela walking <laughs> down the side of the road. <laughs> so it reminded me of this really... It was, it was like a really dramatic version of this scene in The Jerk, where he, like, loses everything, and his wife is going to leave him. So he does this whole, like, I don't need any of this stuff, except for this. I need this. I can't live without this. And it's just him, like, picking random things. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Put him in that shopping cart. Yeah, he's he? like, I can't live without this lamp. I need this lamp. I can't live without my slippers. I need my slippers. And I was just like, this is just like a really dramatic version of that scene. So it was, uh, it was funny and kind of scary. And I mean, seeing what, I mean, you're talking about somebody who did not have a hair out of place. You know, yeah, she was so nuts. She's so put together and like, she has a sink full of dishes she has molded bread on the counter. Um, there's, like, her apartment looks like it was ransacked. There's pictures, like, taped to the wall. Um, you know, she looks disheveled. <laughs> I mean, in, in the absolute worst way. She's muttering to herself. Everybody's out to get her. I mean, she is just cracked. And her only friend is this fish, who's not even—it's not even her fish. Uh, I I kept hoping that the fish would talk, though. Like I was like, "Oh, are we bringing this back? Please bring this back!" Like I love the talking fish. So we got a retweet on that. <laughs> yeah, for real. Our only Mister Robot celebrity retweet. No. Who else retweeted us? Um, I got a retweet from Clark Gregg for our podcast. For this podcast? Yeah, you don't remember that? No. Yeah, it was from Clark Gregg for Mr. Robot. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. No, I don't remember that. Did you favorite that tweet? I'm pretty sure I did. Because I can go look at our favorites and see it. Like, hey, Clark Gregg endorsed this podcast. If you're not watching this season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it's pretty good. Um, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, who the hell is in the van? The top 1% of the top 1%. No. <laughs> Scooby. It's got to be somebody associated with White Rose, right? Maybe? No, I, no theory, no, no thoughts. Idea. No. Oh my god! When they pulled me. up, I was just like, "Who the crap is this?" Yeah, I, I've that. That's the one thing in the episode that left me. <sighs> that's why I'm telling you is at this when that happened, I'm like, okay, I'm not even convinced she's talking to the fish or her mom. <laughs> Is she is she mic'd up? Is she talking to the person that's in her ear? Yeah, I didn't think about that. If if something she had like an earpiece or something. Um. So uh, uh, 
going back to, I know we've already passed the Dom Darlene makeout scene, but when Darlene tells her, don't overthink this, I was like, she's not talking to Dom. She's definitely talking to herself. <laughs> um, going back to what you were saying, though, why not just crack her on the back of the head? I do think Darlene legitimately likes Dom. So do I. It, not it not just... in a, not necessarily a romantic way, but in a like you're a good person, and I really don't want to to ruin your life. But she does anyway. So yeah, she gets the badge. She gets caught. She gets brought into the FBI. She kind of comes clean about everything, but unfortunately, she does it in front of Dom's boss who is their inside man and immediately reports it back to Irving. So, there you go. Darlene might not be long for this world. You think we end season three with the death of Darlene? Um, it's possible, but... Kind of leaning more towards the Dom does the save Darlene thing. You but think so? And Dom... We'll find out. Dom winds up on the opposite side because she figures out that... I mean, she's got... She's, she's still just on the verge of realizing that the Bureau is compromised. She just hasn't quite got there yet. If something does happen to Darlene, she definitely makes that connection. That's what makes me think we might see Darlene die. Because that will send Dom to the other side. That's a good point, too. And, and Darlene confirmed to Dom, White Rose exists. She was on point, all of that that she theorized uh, it's almost exactly what happened. So, which either means Dom is extremely intelligent, which is true, but it could also mean that they're not nearly as sneaky as they thought they were. You know. But, I mean, she is an FBI agent, so... I'm sure not all of them are the smartest people in the room, but, you know, I think you got to be pretty intelligent to, to work cases like that. So, from there we go to White Rose losing it because her timeline has been messed with. All of the stuff that's supposed to be shipped to the Congo, none of it has shipped. Um, her project, as she calls it, which all we know is it's some kind of collider um, or a particle accelerator. We, of course, I don't know how you could build a particle accelerator and then transport it. Um, but I'm not exactly sure that that's what she was talking about either. So, um, and that's when her partner brings up the whole stage three thing, which... Elliot talked about in their meeting. Stage three is eliminating e-coin. 
Because the whole idea was destroy, to destroy Evil Corp. Well, they didn't do that. They still exist, thanks to eCoin, which is becoming this world standard money, monetary unit. And so now Elliot, quote-unquote, wants to go in and destroy eCoin, which is not exactly true. He wants to restore everything. Um, the White Rose's partner kind of puts that together, though, right? Because then he say, well, Darlene, his sister, is in custody with the FBI, and he's trying to meet with us, and I can't help but, you know, see that they're kind of working together here. Yeah, because the reason he thinks they're working together because it looks like one's playing one side and one's playing the other. That what That's what makes him think they're working together. Right. And that's when he kind of calls for Elliot to die for them. So... So, uh... Did you just yeah. send me the, uh... Yeah. Okay. Well, Clark Greg, 829.50, hashtag Mr. Robot, Benjapalooza, hashtag dope. And my response was, our favorite agent loves our favorite show. How about a retweet for the podcast at Clark Greg at Shield Juries, hashtag Mr. Robot. And he retweeted it. Huh. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. So there's that. Um, Sorry. <laughs> so I was like, I know I got a retweet from Clark Greg. <laughs> Oh, um, so yeah, White Rose losing it, calling for Elliot's end, um, then the timelines kind of merge back together, and we see Elliot, well, I mean, we kind of know where all that, that goes, um, you see Elliot back at the house, and he's, he's got his back door to the Dark Army, so, that, that's, that's our setup. For the season finale, man. That was awesome, though, wasn't it? It was it, a really good I, setup I mentioned episode. this a couple of episodes ago about... <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> Getting all choked up. <laughs> Ryan's... It's, al- it's almost over with. Um, <laughs> Ryan's But dying. I mentioned a few episodes ago about that that guy in episode the first episode about seeing him again you know about this is the guy we thought this is what we thought we were going to get to see him being this no I'm coming after you kind of yeah and there he is again at the end of this episode and it's so much fun to see that guy not not to take away from anything else that's happened because it's all been freaking wonderful but it's so good to see that guy pop up every once in a while. It's good to see proactive Elliot instead of reactive Elliot. You know, um, so much of the last season and a half has been him reacting to what's happened. As opposed to, like, trying to to actively solve it. And so to, to see him flip that switch and be like... Okay, like no, I, I'm not. I'm not going to be this guy who just sits down for all of this and cries about what I've done. I'm going to be the guy who figures out a way to fix it, 
and who takes the fight to them. You know, it, it's 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 fun. <clears throat> there is one more thing I wanted to mention. We it was in the Angela scene. I jumped past it because I talked about some mirroring stuff in this episode, and I've been talking about that for a few episodes now. How this stuff keeps showing back up to mirror scenes in previous episodes. Her on the corner running into that dude that's selling CDs. Oh, yeah. I'm not buying any more of your CDs. Yeah. You're not going to get me this time. You know, it's... uh, I love the way he does that stuff, man. Um, But, yeah, it was... Most of the time, shows like this, or, or shows in general, drama shows when they're building up to the finale, you have that one episode, Game of Thrones aside, you have that one episode that that's like, okay, this is setting the stage for everything that's going to happen in the last episode of the season. And it's always fine, but it's just watching, it's watching pieces move, you know? And, and it it can be one of those things that's not that intriguing not that fun to watch. It's just you're kind of doing your due diligence. And that this show is able to do that and have it not be boring is, you know, yes. again, more proof of how great this show is. How well written it is. So, um, you probably didn't see this, but... Uh, this episode is actually getting recorded late, really only a day late, but late this week. Um, so Thursday, you had you well, you kind of had a full plate, but you were at a choral concert for well, your daughter, my niece, uh, Kayla. Who does she know? Like, not that it's a it is a significant song. But does she know the significance of that song to me that she was singing? She was singing uh, All I Want for Christmas is You. Yeah, well, I don't know if I know the significance of that and, song. And the way me. they were performing it. It's from Love Actually. Oh. Yeah, we were talking about that. And she was like, what is Love Actually? I was like, watch it. I think it's on Netflix. I told her it was. I pulled it up and showed it to her. Okay. Like, she did the solo at the beginning. And then, like, joined in with the chorus. And then they had a kid playing the drums, just like in Love Actually. And she sent... I couldn't be there, obviously. She sent me the video. And, I mean, I'll say it on the podcast. Dude, I cried, man. (laughs) Not just because it was her. I mean... A lot of it was because it was her and because, oh my God, she was incredible. Um, She absolutely nailed it. But Love Actually is one of my favorite movies. And that's such a great scene in that movie. And so it just, uh, yeah, I got all kinds of emotional watching it. So anyway. So you must have been the reason that Love Actually got brought up. Probably. I texted her. I was like, oh my God, there's a kid playing the drums. It's just like in Love Actually. Yeah, because she was like, what is Love Actually? Uh, it's a movie that'll make you laugh and cry. 
So. I just I say you need to watch it. Oh. Uh, it's one of those movies. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Um, so anyway, you were doing that Thursday. So we didn't get to record Thursday night. And we're not going to get to record next Thursday night either. Because one of us will be going to see Star Wars. <laughs> not me. Yeah, you're being responsible and waiting till Christmas. Um, I am not. So I know I'm, Gossett's calling <laughs> call me wanting me to go with him. Yeah, he sent like, me a no, message. I don't. Um, but uh, but yeah. So, uh, the part of the reason I am going that Thursday is because Spencer bought me a ticket. So uh, he was like, "I'm gonna buy you a ticket to Star Wars. That's gonna be your Christmas present." I was like, "Okay, that's fine." And uh, and so yeah, uh, it's kind of hard. It's a popcorn to say, and no. a drink. Yeah, for real. <laughs> I'll buy the ticket. You buy the popcorn and the drink. Full date, buddy. I want that. I want a little action during the movie too. Yeah, maybe even a hot dog before the movie. <laughs> Is that like a uh... an actual hot dog? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Would so... corn dog have been better? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so <laughs> Thursday river. So Thursday night while you were um, <laughs> you were doing all of that, being you know a good parent uh, since. We weren't going to get to record. Spencer was like, man, I'm free. I wanted to record with y'all. So me and him recorded an episode. I don't know if you saw that it got put up. Uh, I saw something, but I wasn't paying much attention to it. Tell him I said thanks a lot. Well, that's the only time he could record. and I was. I would have stayed at home for that. That's why I didn't tell you. Because I thought you really should go do that. So, I was like, no, I'm not going to say anything to him, because I don't want him to miss out on anything, just to hang out with me and Spencer and talk about Mr. Robot, which I know you would have absolutely loved to do, but I didn't want to make you feel like you had to make that choice. So, you can be mad at me, I made the choice for you. So I'm not mad. <laughs> I was glad I was there. I only watched her do the one song. Well, that's the only song to... she... Well, I mean, she was in the chorus for a lot of... But that's the only yeah. solo she had, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and all... It was a big chorus. And she does have a, a big voice. But that's such a big chorus. I, I don't know that... Like, I listened to the whole song. She doesn't stand out in, when she's in the chorus. And, and that's probably a good thing. Because you don't want somebody in the chorus who's like so clearly standing out if they're not supposed to be standing out. In her last chorus, it was so, it, they were so bad that like it made her come off bad because she stood out and right. they, they were so bad behind her that it made her sound bad. So it's definitely not a good thing when you're the only one in the chorus that can sing. Right. Which, well, there might have been a few of them. But there was more bad than good. And it made all the good ones sound terrible. <laughs> yeah, I, I could see that. Um, but yeah, I, I, was, I was glad you uh, you got to go do that. Yeah, it was, uh, it was an eventful night. The Falcons beat the Saints. Stephanie got into a wreck on the way there and totaled a car. I've, I meant to text her, and I completely forgot... Um, I felt so bad. 
but they're doing all that construction on veterans and it was pouring down rain. Tell me what's the point of having reflectors everywhere when the roads are wet and there's nothing but lights. It's and hard to tell, man. You, you can't even see where the lines in the road are. Nope. Why don't you put the reflectors on the lines in the road? Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's... I felt so bad for her. A really, really good friend of ours. And, I mean, just a generally sweet and, you know, generous person. Yeah, she tends to get cracked on a lot. Because of but, that. So. Um, but, I mean. But she also just goes, oh, okay, everybody's okay. So we're yep. good. <laughs> and she's that kind of person. Like, she didn't, I mean, I don't know. When she goes home, she might sit there and drown in her sorrows. But. She's you know, not going to let you see it. Yeah. Nope. So. So, yeah. I felt really bad for her. Anyway, that's a little behind the scenes stuff, I guess. So. But yeah, um, we uh, we had a nice discussion. We got to talk a lot of uh, like a lot of Mister Robot and some personal stuff too. So um, hopefully everybody enjoyed that. Uh, we'll do this episode will be out. Uh, it'll come out. It'll be up either. It'll be up by Monday at the latest. I'm gonna, I should have it up tomorrow though. Um, so you get two episodes of the podcast in one week. You're welcome. And then we're going to do the finale, which I can't wait. I thought about if you're going to be able to watch it live, I thought about like podcasting immediately after. But yeah, I don't we know, could, man. but I'd have to take the day off for sure. And you'd be. I'd not be so tired. Because, like. I watched the episode. It's over at what eleven? We'd podcast. That puts me up till twelve at least. Then I'd have to get up at six thirty, go do radiation treatment, go to work, get off work, go watch Star Wars. By the time I got home, I'd be freaking wore out. So we'll probably record that Friday. Um I think. I, I don't think it'll be an issue. We are going to record last night, but me, I fell asleep. I couldn't get it together. So, so yeah, we should have the finale out at the latest um, next Saturday morning. So, I know other podcasts are quicker on the draw than us, but, you know, life gets in the way. And then after that, we're planning on doing, like, a season wrap-up with Jess, right? Oh, uh, yeah, that's what I wanted to do. Um, so, although I just read some stuff about, um, she was wanting us to be on after their mid-season finale on her podcast. Um, that just happened. Yeah, but I just read something about them taking over Supergirl's spot. No, um, no, 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 no. They're not taking over. They're going to, hold on, what was it? Share the spot or something. I don't remember. And I also read that there's a 50-50 chance that that show's not coming back. Legends of Tomorrow. Really? Yeah. Huh. 
That's gonna suck. Yeah, because we lose a lot of characters if that show doesn't come back next year. Huh. I'm trying to look for the news. Um. Crap. I can't find it. I know Biggie. We're on oh, podcasting. Supergirl this. Legends of Tomorrow to share Monday time slot. So here we go. Uh, additional series and an unconventional schedule shift. TV Line reports that while Supergirl will return with a new episode on Monday, January 15th, it will only be back for a few short weeks. DC, DC's Legends of Tomorrow will take its Monday at 8 slot starting February 12th, air for 9 new episodes straight. <coughs> the Legends season finale is scheduled to air on April 9th, and Supergirl will return with all new episodes starting April 16th, and air weekly until it reaches its own season finale in mid-June. Uh, that's to account for Black Lightning, which they don't have a spot for in right in their lineup at the moment, because none of their shows have been canceled. It, here's here's the thing: CW only has two hours a night of programming. Like that's it. They don't have well. They've got, like, some syndicated stuff that they air, but, like, their original shows, it's from 8 to 10. So, they only have room for 10 shows on the schedule. And unless something gets canceled, they don't have room for anything else. They have two more shows coming back this year. Well, one show premiering and one more show coming back. Black Lightning premieres and, uh, uh... Our show, the zombie show, iZombie, will be back sometime right. later this year. They don't they don't have that in the schedule. So unless something gets cancelled, which how is the remake of uh uh what the the freaking show about the rich people that they're airing? What is it, Dallas or something it's like that? It's not Dallas, it's the other one. Um, Dynasty? Yeah, Dynasty. I don't know. <laughs> How the is... same way uh, Pretty Little Liars lasted forever. Yeah, on... but that was on a cable network. Here's the thing. If a lot of this stuff can maybe hold down some ratings while the DC builds their streaming network then I think we might see something shift over there. If they can get enough subscribers. So. Well now that you said the stuff about the Black Lightning then it's going to be it's all going to be up in the air depending on how well Black Lightning does. Right. The, Speaking I, of, I can do another, another plug for you here um, for your comic stuff, which you don't do anymore. But I just saw another episode of the Robert Kirkman's... Uh, Secret History of Comics. Yeah, it was called uh, something about the coloring comics or something like that. Um, and it was about a DC sh- shoot-off. 
of uh, milestone. Yeah, milestone. Yeah, uh, it was about the creation and the fall and the resurgence of milestone comics, and it was really freaking good, dude. Uh, I would urge everybody to go check out the episode. You can watch it streaming on the AMC app if you don't have access to whatever. Um, milestone was pretty important. Um, I, I think it's it, it's having a bit of that, like DC's relaunching it, um, but it's having had its ups and downs as far as like the characters kind of resurging. Mostly, it's like static. Sometimes it's hardware, um, and a few of the other more well-known ones. But for for those not in the know, Milestone was a a a sub company of DC where all of the creators, all of the main characters were well most of them were uh, uh, African American black, some of them were Hispanic or of mixed uh, race it was meant to not even really be diverse but to be kind of like the mirror of like hey you've got this universe full of nothing but white superheroes and that's ridiculous so here's a universe full of nothing but black superheroes uh latino superheroes uh people that aren't freaking white um all of the creators were uh of some kind of uh, non-white ethnicity. I don't want to say there were all uh, black creators, because I'm not 100% sure on that. But I do think that only a handful of people involved with the project were white. You watch this special. Does it get into any of that? Not. It, it only talks about mostly about the black creators. So... Well, I mean, the, the the big ones, Reginald Hudlin, I think, was one of the driving forces. Is that right? I don't remember their names, dude. I just I just watched it, and I suck with names, so. Well, the, the big one, I'm right. I'm not right. I'm wrong. Reginald Hudlin, I, I guess, came much, much later. The big one's Dwayne McDuffie, who has since passed away. Um... Dwayne McDuffie is, I, I get, I don't want to say one of the like unsung, like brilliant comic creators, because in the world of comics, he's fairly well known. Uh, he created uh, Static Shock, or Static on the comics, but like he wrote for Justice League Unlimited. He co-founded Milestone. Um, but he's worked on everything, man. Um, he, he was just, I don't know, brilliant doesn't even cover it. Um, um, yeah, the story itself is just great. I mean, I don't want to ruin it for anybody that might go watch it. I'll give y'all till another time to get deep into it or, but the show I've really loved, uh, if anybody can go back and watch the past episodes, there was one about Wonder Woman and the creation of Wonder Woman. And how uh, freaking bizarre that is. Yeah. 
um, really weird stuff. Uh, the Schuster and um, who is it? Joel Sch- Sch- Siegel and Schuster. Siegel and Schuster. Yeah. Uh, oh, got stuff with screwed over Superman. by DC. Yeah. But they did try to make amends somewhat, and I only think... after like years and years and years and years of pressure. Is let me ask you a question: Is Neil Adams on that episode? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was a big pusher for like creator rights and stuff. But the dude is such a blowhard; it's almost impossible to listen to him. Um, the first episode was about Stanley and uh, Jack Kirby and the Steve Ditko. Yeah, but not much about Ditko. Mostly about Kirby and Lee. <laughs> That's because Ditko is... <laughs> Here's what's crazy, man. Steve Ditko is still alive. Oh, he's a recluse. There's not been a picture taken of Steve yeah. Ditko in like 40 years. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't want anybody to bother him. Here's a guy who could easily... Like, step up and go, like, where's my piece of the pie? Like, I am (laughs) just as much responsible for, I I mean, Doctor Strange is all Steve Ditko, man. You know, there's, there's a lot of Stan Lee and a lot of things. But, to me, like, the Fantastic Four feels like more Kirby than Lee. It always has. And Doctor Strange feels like more Ditko than anything. And the X-Men... Honestly, the X-Men was a complete misstep for Lee and Kirby. I don't think they ever got what they wanted out of that. It was never the book that they wanted it to be. The X-Men doesn't become the X-Men until... John Byrne and Chris Claremont kind of take it and run with it for 15 or 20 Well, they years. wanted it to be these, you know, like social outcasts, like a lot to do with like civil rights and right, this and that. Right, to, to mirror all of that. And and that's fine. I just don't think it ever really gelled. Well, that's hard to do with a giant snowball and a yeah, a, a bunch of white people. The um, early, yeah, the early X-Men stuff is just really not that great <laughs> um, in this last episode um, they talk a little bit about uh, Luke Cage and I've never read Luke Cage and uh, you know they're talking about yeah it's black kids you know when we saw Luke Cage we're like oh and then he's got this stupid saying that's like sweet Christmas like who says sweet Christmas <laughs> And then I, all I can do is flash back to the show yeah. of him going, sweet Christmas. I'm like, oh, I just thought it was part of the show. I didn't know nope. that was like his catchphrase. Yeah, not only that, but he's wearing this like yellow jumpsuit and a tiara for some reason. Yeah, it, But Method uh, Man is actually on this last episode, too. It's pretty good. Uh, was it him? No. Uh, I 
think it's Method Man that shows up in uh, episode... Luke Cage. No, there's an episode of uh, Comic Book Man, and Method Man shows up in. Oh, well, I he was in an episode Man. of Luke Cage too. So, oh yeah, so um, <laughs> when they shot up the yeah, that was great. Yeah, he's like, man, I can have your jacket. Don't he give him his jacket or something? Yeah, like they that? Sw- they trade jackets. Yeah. So, anyway, so that's <laughs> nothing worse than two white guys talking about. Uh, all, all of this. So, <laughs> whatever, man. I was the biggest Wu Tang. I, I'm not gonna say it now because I listen to these two specific radio shows. One is the Ryan Rosillo show, and he he grew up in the Boston area and was a lot in New York. And uh, and the other show is uh, it's Jalen Rose and. Uh, his last name is Jacoby. Uh, but it's called Jalen and Jacoby. Heck, it might be his first name. But they love Wu-Tang. And they play late at night. And they've always got, every once in a while, have a Wu-Tang intro from a commercial. And, uh, yeah, before before I started listening to those shows, I, I would always claim myself to be the biggest white boy Wu-Tang fan on the planet. So... Uh, I think Brian Quinn of Impractical Jokers has you beat. Really? He grew up on Staten I mean, he's from Staten Island. I, I don't watch that show or know enough about it. I mean, I watch- of course there's bigger fans out there than me, but, you know, when I first heard that album, it was just... That's the only Wu-Tang album I like. And we've talked about it before. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's it's great, man. There's nothing. There's no like overproduction. It, it's just it's fantastic. Uh, just a rap album that and a bunch of guys <laughs> who completely like submerged themselves into what now we would call like pop culture, but maybe not so much at the time. No, you're you're talking about a bunch of dudes from Staten Island who are rapping about stuff, but also, like, incorporating, um, like, these... Pop culture these stuff. Weird, we now is pop culture. But back then it wasn't, though. But, like, That's these weird <laughs> Asian movies, and they all take on, like... I mean, all rappers take on, like, pseudonyms, but theirs are all kind of superhero-ish, you know, in a way. It, it's just, Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, we can be done with the non Mister Robot <laughs> chat. I don't really have anything else to that say. That was the so. post game show. <sighs> we'll be back next week talking about the finale of season three, which I'm so excited for and so upset that we're already here. You know, it seems like last season was longer, but I think that's because the the premiere and the finale for last season were like an hour and 20 minutes long. So. But, uh, but yeah, I'm excited for this finale, man. I, I hope we get some answers, but I hope we get a lot of teasing about what we're going to get in season four. 
do you think we're looking at another year year plus hiatus for Mr. Robot? And I don't know. It's, that really depends on how well he had this thought out from when he started filming season three. Well, here's the thing. The reason it takes so long is because he's largely responsible for writing and directing every episode. And when you're doing it all yourself, you you can't multitask. Like, you can't film multiple episodes. You know? Because you, you can only be in one place at one time. So, if you're shooting everything, except for, like, B-roll footage, and you're directing every scene, that means, like, if you're directing Angela and Elliot, there's not another director doing the Tyrell stuff for the next episode because you're the director for the next episode. So you can't, you can't rush production if you're the only director for a TV series. So our, the main director for a TV series, I think there've been some credited co-directors and co-writers this season, but largely it's been him. So yeah, dudes, uh, Anyway, all right, we'll be back next week. Sadly, talking about the finale, but we've got maybe another show that we're going to jump into after that. We'll see. we got to watch the the pilot. So, it's one we were kind of both excited about, I think. Yeah, I hope I just stay excited about it. So. Yeah, we'll see. If If we like the pilot, we'll talk about it next week, and that's the next show we'll jump into. Although it will probably be more like when we jumped into American Gods, <laughs> where we weren't like, we gotta talk about it right now. It might be like, well, we'll talk about it when we get to it. So, anyway, enough prattling. We'll see you guys next week. Bye, everybody. There's a little legend for the never believer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here's a little ghost for the offering. Here's a truck stop instead of St. Peter's Yeah, 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 yeah Mr. Andy Coffin's gone messing Yeah, 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 yeah Andy, did you hear about this one? Tell me 